0: Hello and welcome to Transcend. My name is Ains, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm a gay trans man. I'm here to talk mostly about gender and sexuality, but I'll also talk a little bit about mental health, in particular bipolar disorder, OCD, ADHD, and PTSD, since that's what I'm diagnosed with. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Transcend. Um, This is our first real episode, and I'm super excited to make more because I have so many ideas. Uh, The first series that I'm going to do will be my experience with being trans, gay, and mentally ill. Um, This is the first episode in the series, um, and I'm going to focus on my experience as growing up and existing as a trans person. I'm going to start with some brief life updates, go into some childhood memories. I'll talk about the timeline of my gender exploration journey, how I realized I was a trans man in particular, and then talk about what it means for me as an individual to be a boy. And then at the end, I'm going to read one of my favorite essays that I wrote about the first time I applied trans tape. It gives a good overview of the realization that I am now trans and how that is going to impact me mentally, physically, financially, and socially for the rest of my life. So let's get into it just some life updates so school-wise I only have one more final left which is super exciting I somehow secured A's in five out of six of my classes and hopefully it's six out of six after I take my last exam next week Um, this weekend I get to go to my cabin and I'm going with my boyfriend and we just got a new cabin I've never been there before so I'm incredibly excited because I need to get out of Tucson immediately Um, luckily I get to go home on the 18th and then I'll be home for a couple weeks, which is exciting. And the other piece of exciting news is that during class today, my professor approached me afterwards and asked if I wanted to work with her on a program that she's going to put on next semester. And it's for a book that she absolutely loves. She's going to invite the authors to come in and like give a talk. So now I get to assist her with that. So that is like super exciting. Um, And yeah, I can't wait for that. Okay, so moving on to the actual topic for today, which is my gender exploration journey. I'm going to start with some childhood memories that are absolutely core memories in my trans journey. Um, And the first one, is about a barbie doll so i was playing with barbie dolls with my sister and they were girl barbie dolls like not the ken dolls and i don't know why you know when you're at like age three four it's like psychologically like proven that that is a stage in your life where you're like trying to comprehend like genitals and like your place in the world so therefore like gender and sex and stuff like that so at that point i like i said something about oh like this Barbie doll has a penis and my sister was like girls don't have penises and I was like what and it like made me so visibly irritated like I was so mad to the point where I remember it being that young I don't have very many childhood memories I remember this in detail um super super weird but anyway so I think I cried for like a really long time about it and obviously obviously girls do have penises um and I do want to make that very very clear my sister was like eight and I was like three when this happened so granted that's why she said that but it broke my heart and it left me wondering I was like so I'm not gonna get a penis like that's Oh, and then also when I was younger, I did ask my mom, I think at one point, or I asked somebody I like I vividly remember asking somebody like when I would grow a penis because I had like, you know, your best friends growing up like your little childhood friends. We were both like toddlers running around and like, I think we probably were like taking a bath together or something. And I saw his penis and I was like where's mine so i remember asking and being like when am i gonna grow a penis um and so i think that it's like little memories like that from my childhood where i'm like the trans stuff was so obvious but i just never knew that those were abnormal experiences so i never thought of it as a trans experience until now Um, Also, when I was a little bit older, I was like 12 years old, probably I was hanging out with my best friends and my sister is five years older than me and she was not home at the time. But my friend thought it would be a very funny idea to go and try on my sister's bras because, you know, I guess I like I just don't understand it. I guess maybe that's what like pre pubescent girls want to do because they're excited to go through puberty and get boobs. I didn't understand it. But I was just like, okay, cause I just wanted to fit in, right? So like we tried on bras and I remember looking at myself in the mirror and being like, this is the most atrocious thing I've ever seen in the entire world. I need this off of me immediately. And then I was like, oh my God, like it hit me. I was like, oh my fuck. Like I'm gonna have to experience that one day. Like I'm gonna have boobs, like I'm gonna grow boobs. So I had this like entire like panic attack internally, of course, because I didn't want to show that to like my friends. Um, so that was another one Um, I also remember right before like when all of my friends started growing boobs I was like oh no like it's happening it's gonna happen so soon so I remember I would sit there and I would like press my fingers to my chest and be like this is gonna be the last time that you can feel like your rib through your skin I'm like there's gonna be fat there and I'm like take advantage of it now like savor that feeling of like having a flat chest and I'm like that's not something that cis girls go through (laughs) like they they don't mourn puberty and like i was mourning puberty which i think is so weird um also bra shopping like bra shopping for the first time to get like training bras was Absolutely degrading and traumatic, and probably it's just like a, a memory that I have of being so like I was so nervous to be in the girls' like bra section, which is like training bras are next to like Disney princess underwear. So I don't know what I was freaking out about, but it was like and then like walking with it in the cart, like it was just like people know that I have boobs, and like it was just the reality of like oh my god, like I have boobs, and that like drove me insane. And then I remember in eighth grade I was on a Your team and for our uniforms we had to wear a real bra instead of a sports bra which is like counterproductive because we're like flipping (laughs) um but anyway we had to wear a real bra and i didn't have one because i had i hit puberty super super late because i was really athletic and i didn't have a real bra i had to go real bra shopping and it was the same thing as when i put on my sister's bra i was in the changing room with my mom and i put on like a black like standard bra and i just like (sighs) I I was I don't know I panicked on the inside it was terrible um but I like I didn't want to show it because I just I don't know I didn't want to show it I thought that that was like a weird feeling for me to have and I couldn't explain it or put words to it so I never expressed it and so nobody really thought anything of it and we just kind of moved on um going into junior high I really avoided wearing, like, tight and... I say revealing. I feel like that has a bad connotation, but, like, I avoided wearing, like, v-neck shirts that would, like, show cleavage or, like, people who would wear, like, super short shorts, like, and no hate against people who wear these things. I just didn't do it. Like, I hated wearing leggings if I didn't have a shirt that was long enough to, like, cover my ass. Like, I don't... It was just like I really avoided things that like showed off my body as my body started to develop things like hips and boobs. Um, And then when I went to high school, I went through a super, super hyper femme phase. And I think it was because I was trying so hard to fit in with the girls that I was on palm and dance with because they were all super hyper femme and like. I just, I don't know. I was like, I need to fit in. So like freshman year, I like basically went to school in my pajamas every day, no makeup, did not do my hair. And I got made fun of for it on palm and dance. And so sophomore year, I decided to be super, super hyper femme. And it's weird looking back at old pictures like that, but that is just how I felt like I needed to compensate for the fact that I wasn't comfortable in my gender. I was trying so hard to fit into this like mold of what, I should be at this age, what I should be doing, what I should be wearing, what I should be looking like, what I should be doing with my hair and my makeup and all of that. Um, And it's like, it's all stems from the fact that like, I didn't feel like I fit in with groups of girls. Like I, I never feel like I gelled with like and that is not to discredit any of my friendships with my girl friends like my friends that are girls i love my absolutely two of my best friends are girls and like and my lifelong girlfriend i don't know like i this is not to discredit my relationship with them but it's more the concept of like like clicks, like big groups of girls i never fit into them like the thought of like a sleepover with like more than four people like that stresses me out even sleepovers with four people there were so many moments where like they would talk about girl things that i just didn't get and i had no desire to get them so i never i just feel like i never really fit in with a lot of those people which is why i compensated for it so much but I always like longed to be friends with the boys like that is what I really wanted is and like I think I confused that with Attraction, but I mean there also was attraction there because I'm attracted to men But like I also just longed for like the friendship aspect like I was so jealous of people who grew up with like boys as friends and like my best friend Keely her little brother and we have a huge group of friends and we call ourselves the beach crew and um, which is like, we coined that term in like seventh grade. So don't make fun of us. But anyway, super tight group of friends and I love them all very much. But like me and Keely, well, I'm not a girl but at the time when we were all best friends, me and Keely were the only two girls, everybody else was boys and they treated us like boys and we wrestled and we did boy things. And those were my favorite friendships that I think I've ever had. I, like, I reminisce on that a lot and I'm very grateful that I had that opportunity because that's, like, the only moments of my childhood where I feel like I got to experience, like, a boy childhood. Like, I got to experience boyhood. So I'm very grateful for those moments. Um, But I did long for them. Like, even in high school, like, I wish I had... Closer friendships with guys, but to be said, like all of my friendships in my classes were always with the boys, like and not in a pick me way. Like I never want, I never kissed or dated any of them. Like I just my like best friends in all my classes that I like looked forward to going. All my all my school friends that like you didn't really see outside of school. All my school friends were boys. Like and I just I don't know. I felt like I related to them a lot better. Didn't know why at the time. So I think that's interesting. Um, and then there's also like memories. I remember I, me and Keely started to like, we really wanted to wear boy clothes. And like, we really wanted to like, we wanted to go buy like big men's t shirts and wear it like almost, yeah, like almost like in a Visco girl way, but like way back before Visco girl was like a coined term. We wanted to go buy men's t shirts. And so we did. And I wore one to school one time. And I was changing into my clothes for the day after we had Palm Zero Hour. And I put on that shirt, and I was, like, feeling so cute because I'm like, oh, my God, this is my first, like, man outfit. And everybody in the room was like, you need to take that off. Like, they were like, you can't wear that. You look like a boy. And I was like, what do you mean? And someone literally pulled out an extra shirt that they had in their bag and said, you need to change and gave me their shirt. And so I changed because there was 15 mean girls in a room staring at me telling me to change. So, like... At that point, I just started really relating, like, masculinity to being such, like, a bad and shameful thing that I, like, didn't want to experience it. So I just went super, super hyper femme. Um, Other, like, memories from my childhood, the only one that stands out is, like, I used to be so jealous of other trans and gender non-conforming people. Like, I remember I've always been jealous of tomboys. Like, I always, I'm like, I wish I grew up a tomboy. I wish I wasn't a competitive dancer. Like, I wish I grew up like doing rough shit with the boys and like being muddy and like all of that stuff, which I hate that stuff. Like, I don't know why, but I was just jealous of the fact that they weren't like gender conforming girls. And I remember being jealous of other trans people. Like, I mean, fuck Caitlyn Jenner. We're all aware of that. But when Caitlyn Jenner came out and before all of the disgusting things that she's done and said came out into the world. Um, When Caitlyn Jenner came out and I knew very little about her, I was so happy for her. And that was one of my first tweets on Twitter, actually, is, like, retweeting her um, and being like, oh, my God, slay. I don't think I said slay because I was in, like, seventh grade. But I did retweet it. And I was like, good for you or something like that. And I just remember being so jealous. I was like, why do you get to do that? And I don't. You know what I mean? But, like, I just never... I didn't realize other people weren't jealous, like how would I know that, I don't know, how would you know? So those are like all of the childhood memories that I can think of off the top of my head that like relate to me now looking back and being like that was a trans moment like So now I'm going to talk a little bit about my journey figuring out that I went from a cisgender girl to a trans man every step in between, from the moment that I realized I don't have to be cisgender to the moment that I said, oh my god, I'm a trans man. Um, the voice crack is just the epitome of this, anyway. So this all begins in August 2020. I am a freshman in college, I'm taking my first semester of classes, I was a human development major so my first class was intro to human development. and. They teach us about the difference between sex and gender. And then they teach us that there are these things called they-them pronouns. And who would think one would be exposed to this before their freshman year in college? I just simply was not. I didn't grow up in an environment where we were taught any of these things. I didn't know any trans people personally. I didn't learn what being trans was until I was like 13 or 14. And again, I didn't know anybody who was trans. So I just, I didn't know anything about it. And I'm in this class and he makes us do this activity. He puts us into breakout rooms and tells us to make a list of things that every man has and things that every woman has and or does. And me and my room, like me and the people in my group are like trying to come up with a list and every single thing that we came up with, we're like... Not all men have that. Like, we're like men have short hair. No, they don't. Like, look at, I I can't think of somebody, uh, Thor. (laughs) I don't know why that was the one person I thought of. That was the first man with long hair I could think of. Um, I, yeah. So there's like, there's nothing you can think of. And even if you're gonna make the argument and say every man has a penis, if you're transphobic and you're gonna say that, what about, let's say a man has an affair, he's cheating on his wife, Um, and his mistress, Decides to tell the wife that he's having an affair, and the wife goes crazy and cuts his dick off. Well, now he's a cisgender man without a dick. Does that make him a woman? <laughs> I like. I don't think it changes his gender identity. Um, so it's just like, even if you're denying that trans people like are real, you can't deny that like there are situations where like there's no one thing that every single person of a specific gender has or does. Like there's so much variation. So then I sat there and I considered and I said, what does it mean to be a woman then? And why am I a woman? Except for the fact that I've been told that I was a woman. So I realized that I don't have to be cisgender. And I said, what? That's crazy. Um, Changed my pronouns to she, they. And then I went through my little alt phase, okay? So like I was really, I had blue highlights in my hair and I was wearing really dark colors all the time. I was like in my alt lesbian era. Um, And that's where I was August, 2020, December, 2020. I figure out that I'm like, no, actually I'm non-binary. And so I don't think I told my friends or my, I told my friends, I was out with my friends. I was out on TikTok. I just hadn't really told my family yet. Um, I changed my pronouns to they, them. I think on the day after Christmas, In 2020, Um, and then I went through my little femme non-binary phase. So I was like super into like being super like hyper femme because like I claimed the fact I'm like I'm not a woman, so I can embrace femininity without feeling like I'm conforming to embrace femininity if that makes sense so i became really comfortable with femininity for a while and that was pretty cool um, i started to become curious about binding and like dressing more masculine but i didn't have any like mask clothes i didn't know like where to start i didn't know like what style i would be so like i just i didn't really know how to go about that um moving on to like february 2021 i think i told my family that i was non-binary in like january um but then Then in February, I thought that I was gender fluid. So I came out to them as gender fluid. I changed my pronouns to they, he, and I basically was just like, you can call me anything other than she, her. Like I'm fine with anything other than she, her. Um, And this is when I began to explore my mask era. So I started going out and thrifting and I would just only look in the men's area. And it's like really cringy to look back at some of the outfits that I wore because I just did not know how to dress. Um, I couldn't figure out what type of like man that I wanted to be in the way that I dressed. And I just, it's just gross looking back. Um, But also that was just baby me, like figuring out what was going on and like props to me for trying it, you know, props to me for going into the men's section in the first place because that was scary, but also super exciting. Um, And I did get my first binder in February of 2021, which is super exciting. Um, Then fast forward almost an entire year, January of 2022, I realized that I'm a boy. So I'm a sophomore in college, starting my second semester and i like just i have snapchat videos of me being like oh no like i just realized something really crazy i'm like i'm a boy and i identified as a lesbian at this point so i was like not only am i not gender fluid i'm all i'm a boy i'm a white man i'm a white man And I also can't be a lesbian anymore. And I was just like super thrown for a loop. Um, I only told very few friends. And honestly, this realization happened to me on New Year's Eve, quite honestly. And me and my friend E, E also had a very similar realization. E's not a trans man, but E had a very similar situation where they experienced things that like I did too. We just like realized things about our gender the night of new year's Eve. And so I told, I told E I told a couple other people, but only my closest friends. And I did not tell my, my family. And I did not go beyond that. Um, I did change my pronouns to, I think he, they at this point, but only with people who were not connected to my family. So like my work friends, I changed them to he, they, but other than that, like nobody else knew. Um, and after I realized that I was a boy I also had some pretty traumatic things happen to me the months before that, I had two people in my life pass away, and I my brain went into a psychotic episode. Um, I my bipolar got absolutely terrible, and because I had three massive triggers that completely just threw me for a loop, and I ended up literally having to drop out of school in February because I you know I was in a psychotic episode. I was in psychosis. I was hallucinating. I couldn't go to class. I couldn't do my work. I couldn't live by myself. Like it wasn't a safe environment. So I dropped out. I moved home. Best decision I've ever made. I went to an intensive outpatient program, and I'll talk about this when I talk about bipolar disorder. But basically when I was in that intensive outpatient program and I was doing therapy constantly, I was like, I re-came to the realization that I was a boy because my brain kind of shut down and didn't let me process that while I was going through psychosis because it was just too much. Like that's what sent me into psychosis because it was a really hard thing to cope with. And I just suddenly like in therapy, I like remembered it again and I talked to my group about it and they gave me the courage to come out to all of my friends and all of my family so in May of 2022, I came out and um, that was a really exciting day for me. It was right after therapy. I came home and I just sent it out in all of my mass group messages, my mass group messages with my friends, my extended family, everybody. I just said, fuck it. If I'm going to come out, I'm going to come out and people are going to know. And so I told everybody, I changed my pronouns to he, him. I said that I want to go by Ains instead of my full name. And most people have been pretty great about it. So that's kind of my timeline i started in august of 2020 and may 2022 i'm out as a trans man and it's december of 2022 right now and i'm still super comfortable with my gender identity i've never been happier in my entire life i'm almost four months on t i have top surgery scheduled so like so many things to look up to um i will be talking about i'll do separate episodes on testosterone separate episodes on top surgery um but i just want to mention that is part of my timeline i will be getting top surgery in may of 2023 super excited about that um and yeah that's pretty much my journey so the way that i realized that i was a trans man in particular as opposed to being gender fluid or non-binary or trans mask or something somebody asked me if you were born and raised as a cis boy would you still be non-binary and i was like no no <laughs> Oh, (laughs) like I was like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. So you're telling me that if, if I, if I was a boy, I would be a boy. And that's kind of when it all hit me. And I was like, Holy shit. Like I'm a man. I'm not even like a non-binary person who enjoys being masculine. Like I'm a man, I'm a boy yeah so and then just being like yeah i'm i'm a white man like at least i'm trans and gay it's just like it sucks to like add to the percentage of white men that like exist in the world you know what i mean um So that's really fun. But anyway, some other ways that I knew that I was a trans man. um, If you're like new to like your trans journey and you're not sure about anything, I had dysphoria with my chest in particular. Um, A lot of dysphoria. I was like, clothes don't look right when my boobs show. My boobs ruined my outfit. I liked larger fitting things that didn't show off my figure. I loved when I didn't have to wear a bra, all of that sort of shit. I didn't look at myself in the mirror, like because I didn't like looking at the fact that I had boobs, all of that. Um, I have this thing, and I know other trans people experience it too, so I'm just going to be brave and talk about it. And you know how when somebody who gets their leg amputated has, like, phantom leg, and they think that they can, like, you can feel the extension of their limb even though it's not there anymore. So there's, like, a thing called phantom penis, And I'm gonna be honest about it, it's a real thing. Um, And I have that, and I thought that that was just interesting that I'm like, I feel like I talked to one of my cis friends one time and I'm like, yeah, but like, you know what having a dick feels like, right? Like, I'm like, you can like, feel it. Like, you can like, feel your dick, basically. Like, I'm like, if you close your eyes and picture it, you like, can like, visualize it. And like, you know what having a dick would feel like and like, all of that. And she was like, no not only do I not know what you're talking about, I've never thought about that. And I was like, okay. So some more things that I was like, that's interesting. Um, A lot of voice dysphoria. I've always like loved it when I was sick or like when my voice was raspy, anything like that um, because my voice wasn't as high pitched and that was super good. It's always bothered me that when I do like customer service, my voice raises three octaves when I'm talking to people. Um, And I've done pretty good at trying to break that habit now that I'm on T. But voices for you a super big one for me um i also just felt like i had this like mental connection to boyhood and i don't know what it was like i would watch movies and tv shows and i would connect with the male characters and like the male storyline and i would long for me to be able to like play that role and i don't know i just had this like there's just this mental intrinsic knowledge where like when i said the words out loud i am a boy something felt right and I'd never felt that before. Like being gender fluid, I was like, that makes sense because I like high, I like femininity and I like masculinity. And like being non binary, I was like, that makes sense because I'm not cisgender. Being a trans man, it felt right. It like, it made sense, but it also felt right the more that I like accepted it. So I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, talking about what kind of boy I am in like a. I don't want to say a poetic sense because I think that that sounds, like, pretentious, but in, like when you see those TikToks that it's like my gender in pictures and it doesn't make sense if you're cisgender that's basically what I'm doing here um I would say that my gender is mainly like sage and neutral with like a strong light academia influence um my gender has the personality of Remus and the appearance of James if you get that reference um my gender is autumn my gender's aspen trees I want people to look at me and know that I drink Americanos which I do drink frequently. Um, I want them to look at me and say, I just know that guy has niche interests and hobbies. I want people to look at me and assume I know how to play the ukulele, which I do know how to do. Um, my gender is like the manipulative artistic indie boy, but with a golden retriever personality instead of the manipulative part. Um, I feel like my gender tastes like warm brie on a tiny piece of toast, you know? Um, it smells like a mix of musk and apple orchards. I doubt that makes sense to anyone besides myself, but that's what being a boy is to me. And, you know, if it makes sense, it makes sense. But that's that's my gender. That's my gender. Um, So now I'm going to read the essay that I wrote regarding me putting on trans tape for the first time. And it's called Two Parasites in a Five-Day Coma. I always used to joke about how the blur boxes that TV stations use to cover profanity permanently exist on my body. I have two one just below my collarbone and the other just below my hip bones. There isn't an explicit version of my body. Beneath the blur boxes is just a void of discomfort, sucking in all the rest of my body that should belong to me, but it belongs to the void. And it always has. Eventually, I learned that this experience is called dysphoria. I learned that there are things that I can do to decrease this dysphoria, things that cost absurd amounts of money, things that take hours of time, things that are terrifying, painful, beautiful, and affirming. Years of pulling my shirt away from my chest, purposefully hunching my shoulders, and sacrificing my health for a less curvy figure had caught up to me and forced me to find a new thing, trans tape, a week-long cure for my dysphoria. I was aware that the end result would be worth it, but felt panicked knowing that I would have to spend hours staring at and touching my chest. Um, my fingers were shaking as I began to measure, cut, and round the corners of each strip. The iciness of my fingers frightened my chest and made covering the eyes of the parasite even more unpleasant. I cranked my body to a 45 degree angle and began tugging my chest tissue to place the adhesive layer down and create the anchor point. Applying trans tape is so complicated, it should replace the phrase rocket science. My left arm has the job of tugging and removing the plastic covering for the adhesive while maintaining a resting position that creates no folds in the skin. While I'm doing this, my right arm has the job of flattening the chest tissue and smoothing the tape in a relaxed motion to avoid stretching the tape. Get ready for the best part. I had to do this eight times. After two hours of squishing and yanking, I was in a pool of sweat and half-conscious from staring down, which cut off my blood supply and led me to pass out shortly after. I thought about how cis men don't have to spend $50 in three hours sculpting their perfect chest. I thought about all of the other trans people who exhaust themselves trying to make their body feel like it belongs to them. My body still doesn't belong to me. Parts of it do but the parts that society uses to justify their treatment of me in the world doesn't belong to me and they never will. I came to this melancholy conclusion at the same time as I decided to see what my chest for the next five days looked like, the t-shirt test. I reached for the shirt that I had been eyeing for weeks but was unable to wear because of the two parasites on my chest. I warily slid it over my head and looked down with astonishment. I could see my entire anterior side of my body. There was no parasite blocking the vision of the top half of my stomach. The parasites had been strangled and put into a medically induced five-day coma. My socks went skidding across the tile hallway as I shuffled to the closet full body mirror. My eyes were staring at my flattened chest and I became overwhelmed by what I now know is called gender euphoria. Very similar to the euphoria I experience when I'm manic, but more focused on belonging to my body instead of being the smartest, sexiest human being alive. Although in that moment, I did resonate with the sexy human thing too. I felt myself leave my body and return to my trauma panic room. I hang out there quite often. For the first time ever, I looked at my body from a bird's eye view and didn't see a woman. I saw a person, me. I saw my physical body and it matched the version of my body inside of my head. Warmth spread from my toes and crept all the way up to my cheeks. Thin blonde hair started to rise all over my body, and the biggest childlike grin swept across my face. Because I have raging ADHD and was extremely overstimulated, my body began to stim. My hands were shaking at T-Rex level, my feet were bouncing, and many high-pitched squeals started escaping the corners of my mouth. After regulating my stimulation, I spent the next hour posing in front of any reflective surface I could get my hands on. Um, My self-esteem skyrocketed, but more importantly, I finally accepted that I am trans. Words that I felt like I could never reach were now engulfed in my identity. Trans, gay, Ains, bipolar, boy, all of these words were me. I had logically concluded that these words were me long before applying the trans tape, but with logic comes doubt, I couldn't deny what happened to my body and the way I subconsciously reacted to it. I often wonder how I buried my transness so far inside of me. Two core memories come to mind, and I talked about these earlier. When I was four years old, I was playing with Barbie dolls and for whatever reason, insinuated that my female Barbie had a pee pee. My sister who was nine at the time and has since unlearned this outdated transphobic statement informed me that girls don't have peepees. I sobbed for days. When I was 14 and noticed that the parasites were about to latch on, I used to press my finger to my chest to feel my rib. I always said to myself, take advantage of this moment and be happy. This will be the last time that I can touch my chest without lumps of fat being in the way. Clearly my transness was always there, but I didn't know that those thoughts and feelings and experiences were normal for trans people. These thoughts and experiences seemed to blur after the age of 14, after I went to high school, joined the pom and dance team, and befriended the most transphobic, homophobic, racist girls you can think of. Triple whammy. I distanced myself quickly after uncovering the morals of these monsters, but in that short amount of time, I was pavlobbed into equating masculinity with the epitome of female failure. When I wore clothes that I had bought in the men's section, I was told that I looked like a boy and was expected to change. When my friends came to school and felt insecure about their appearance, they would describe themselves as looking like a boy. This was the blueprint for my impressionable adolescent mind to solidify the idea that embracing masculinity results in ridicule and the eventual disintegration of friendships. Mitsuye Yamada grasped me initially with the title of their work, I don't understand those who have turned away from me. I put so much energy into these, quote, women whose names and faces I had memorized and tried to understand only to have them disappear after three months or whenever they found a lover, end quote. Many lovers have convinced my ex-friends that my queerness and transness will rub off on them or that it makes me a predator, something to fear. Those lovers then convinced my ex-friends to cut ties, which they did. My other ex-friends did not have to be persuaded by a lover. When I revealed to them that I am not cis, straight, religious, neurotypical, mentally sable, etc., they cut ties as well. The abandonment and sudden collapse of my support system hurt, but degrading myself in hopes of acceptance was unbearable. If my gender affirmation journey was World War I, the first time I used trans tape was the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand. I cut off all of my hair and subsequently my ties to womanhood. Two birds with one stone. I came to understand that my body is not the finished masterpiece. It is the blank canvas on which I can express myself. I still have setbacks where I get bogged down by the public's critique of my masterpiece. I often wonder if the effort is worth it and resent mass-produced generic art that's ready to be displayed upon purchase. But mass-produced art is just that, disinteresting. I hope that many young artists grow up to embrace their unique masterpieces, unique and valid to each and every trans person. I actually wrote that piece for a class called um, Gender in a Transnational World, and that was for my midterm project, and I believe the prompt was to do a personal statement about an experience related to your gender that has shaped you and shaped your current gender identity. So that is what I chose to write about. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. That is going to conclude today's episode. Um, I look forward to next Sunday, which I'm going to post, and I believe I'm going Going to do the exploration of my journey of my sexuality um, so look forward to that thank you so much for listening and i hope the rest of your day or night is absolutely incredible